With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Where are, where is the people? Where are, oh, here they are. Here's Jack. Got it. Oh, we're live, I think. I have no live message. Oh, you don't see. I I have us going live. So well, then, just in case we are live, there it pops up. We <laughs> are we are back and we are live with some technical difficulties, and now the stream just jumped to twenty four seconds, which is incidentally how long I think Dominic Reyes could potentially last on Saturday night. There you go. There's the segue. <laughs> UFC two forty seven. John Jones against Dominic Reyes. Here, I'm going to break down this card, every fight, talking DFS. I am your host, Daily Fantasy Sniper. With me, as always, the co-host, the analyst, Chris Olson. You can find him on Twitter, at RealChrisOlson. Joe, better known as Sun Tzu. Guys, back for another pay-per-view card. Uh, not a card I'll be spending $60 on, but a card that has got arguably the GOAT on it. I think I'm going to do a podcast somewhere else where I argue John Jones isn't the GOAT, but Wait, wait, Obviously. wait. Did you say you're not going to – so you're not going to buy it or it's not a – I'm not going to buy it. Really? No. Wow, okay. No, I'm not I'm not paying 65 bucks for this card. No, thanks. Okay, I, I didn't invite you over, dude, but it's a long drive. I mean, I'm buying it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to – I'll probably I'll, – I'll find a way to, to keep up with the fights. Well, okay. this – this card is like we we joke around a lot, like oh this, or we say a lot, oh this isn't really a pay per view card. This is the first pay per view card in a while that actually feels like a fight night card. There's a lot of fighters on here that you have to look up because they're making their debut. There's a lot of fighters that have like two or three UFC fights on here. It's so, top heavy. The card's super top heavy. There, there are eight, top heavy. I think uh, eight of the fights have fighters from Texas. I was oh yeah, yeah, no, that's day. right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, by the way, I, I shout out to chat to chat. If anyone can help me, if anyone who's watching Invicta while watching us and can tell me who the new commentator is on Invicta, I would be much grateful. That being said, I also want to throw a throw it to chat. I, I think one of my one of my favorite um, comments in a while was already posted by MMA KO. Because we've already had one fight happen this weekend, and it's Joel Romero one, um, Izzy zero. He clearly won the dance off. <laughs> one of the more entertaining weigh-ins you'll you'll see in a while. But let's let's get down to business. Let's talk UFC 247. But before that, I have to tell you to make sure like, comment, subscribe to the podcast, and also go to rotowire.com/free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Daily fantasy, season-long optimizers, all that. Good stuff. Subscribe on you on iTunes to Rotowire MMA. Like, comment, subscribe to Rotowire on iTunes. If you are watching it live, welcome to the guys in chat. And uh, let's just jump right to it because we are going to talk. There's there's not a ton of dogs on this card. There's a there's one line value spot I don't like. One I do like, and this is my favorite underdog on the card. We have Austin Lingo taking on Yusuf Zalal. 
Lingo's 8,900. Zalal is 7,300. My boy is a plus 185 dog. Lingo is minus 200 on the comeback. Fight doesn't go to decision, minus 170. So that spells, it smells like a good GPP fight. Uh, Sun Tzu, we'll start with you. Joe, what do you got for this fight? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a this is a weird fight. I mean, you got Lingo, who is a Texas boy, trains at Fortis, 7-0, flash finishes, against uh, a guy who is, in his last three fights, is 1-2. So on paper, it's really kind of weird. I mean, he did win, I guess, his last fight in, you know, spectacular fashion with a flying knee. I was ready to dismiss him until listening to James Lynch. Um, apparently, James Lynch uh, has heard some things from this guy's camp, Zahal, um, that you know he is he is a one of the you know best guys at the camp. Apparently, um, you know maybe maybe gets a little nervous sometimes, but you know at what seven point three k, I think he's worth a stab and. It's probably a good fight to target, and I, I would certainly caution people against going all in on on Lingo, looking at that seven and zero record, and thinking you know lock and load. Um, but I think it's a good fight to target. I, I'm going to have exposure to both sides. I guess I'll pick Lingo to win just because he is the local guy, um, you know, training at Fortis. Um, but I, I think you should have some exposure to both sides. I will say Lingo is a one-dimensional boxer. He's super aggressive. Every second this fight's on the feet is danger for Zalal, but I think he gets it down eventually, and he's just long. I think he just has to avoid the early bum rush. There's every chance Lingo knocks him out in the first 45 seconds. It, it totally could happen, but uh, I think past that, I think Zalal's got tons, tons of tools to, to win this one. Chris? Uh, yeah, well, Joe kind of disappointed me because I watched him with Brett yesterday, and he was calling him Ringo, and then he I opened like up. He opened up here calling him Ringo, and I have my Beatles joke already, and he didn't call him Ringo. I'm going to do it anyway. I, I wonder if um, Austin, Daddy Ringo from I wonder if Austin can win this fight with a little help from his friends. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I, think, I think Sean uh, summed it up pretty well. The thing about Lingo is um, he's one of these guys, his fights don't go very long. He blitzes forward, and he knocks his opponents out. Um, thing is, though, that that's – Part of what got Zalal beat in his last loss was a guy who just kept taking it to him. And um, now that guy seemed to be a pretty experienced uh, judoka, using a lot of judo throws. And um, I will say that Zalal's pretty scrambly on the ground, too. Um, he's at least a worker from his back uh, when the fight goes there. Um, but I like Zalal. I like, I like um, his in-and-out movement. He seems to be very quick. I just wonder if the rushes from Lingo are going to get there because if they don't work, then uh, then Zalal is going to have his way. But I think he might have a little trouble finding his range here. Ultimately, I'm going to pick Zalal because I think he's just the way, way more uh, technical fighter who actually has like an idea of what he wants to do besides bum rush and then and then like maul you. But I, I think I think Lingo is pretty. Um, Definitely live to a knockout. I also think because people don't know a lot about this dude, that could uh, depress his ownership at 8,600. So I, I like him as a play, uh, but I think the the pick of the fight is going to be Zalal. I'm moving on. Second fight of the night. Odds value spot I think people could get caught, get caught up in. We have Andre Yule at 8,400 taking on Jonathan Martinez at 7,800. Line on this fight, Yule's minus 120. A little bit of value on Martinez at plus 110, and it's moving a little bit. If that, if the line's actually at dead pick'em minus 105, 115 in some spots. So movement towards Martinez. Overall, I think regardless of who you like in this fight, this fight is dog shit for DraftKings and is a better fight to bet on if you have a lean than for DK. If this fight scores well, I'm going to have a rough night. Uh, but give me Andre Yule as I think he's the better rangy striker. But it is a close matchup, but one I don't really care about for DK. Um, Chris, I know you have an opinion on this one. Yeah, um, this is actually uh, for a betting article that I, I, I wrote uh, that you can check out on my Twitter or uh, at rotowire.com. I, I have a link on my Twitter. But uh, I picked UL to win. I think that he has got one really major advantage in this matchup, which is his, well, more than one. 
But uh, one major one is his speed. I think that if you watch Jonathan Martinez as a uh, as a striker, what he likes to do is um, he's really aggressive. He pressures you forward, but he's not good at cutting off the cage. And that is, I think is going to allow Yule, who was a really precise uh, counter striker. We saw that our first introduction to him was him fading back and and landing a a, a fadeaway. Uh, uh, left hand that uh, almost knocked out Hennon Burrell. So that's really what he likes to do is be a sniper. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to do that here. I also think that Jonathan Martinez um, offense on the feet basically relies on a kicking game. And I think that you um, just a better kickboxer. So um, the one problem you always have in an Andre Ewell fight is he's bad at takedown defense, but um, it's kind of not, not necessarily paradoxically, but, you maybe wouldn't expect the guy to be taken down so often for him to be as scrambly and good at getting out of submissions as he is. We've uh, seen that a couple times here. I mean, it didn't work against Nathaniel Wood, but that was more of, uh, you know, club and sub. Wood just had his uh, his number in that fight. So, yeah, um, Jonathan Martinez is good to me, but uh, a little one-dimensional. I like um, the body work from Yule. I, I just think he's a way better all-around fighter. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past him to, to find one of those hammers as uh, Martinez rushes in uh, sloppily. So I like Ewell here. I like it a little more for DK than Sean does, and uh, UL is the pick. Joe? Yeah, so I have to agree with Sean. I mean, uh, Ewell has never scored more than, what, 72 DraftKings points. Martinez has never scored more than 76 DraftKings points. Um, not a fight I'm really looking to target. And generally when that's the case – you know, in mass entry GPPs where I want to get, you know, some exposure perhaps to all fights, um, I'll probably take the odds value. But again, I, you know, there are 12 fights. I don't know that you, I guess if you're looking to, you know, pass on a fight, this is probably a pretty good candidate. Um, you know, although Martinez did win his last fight um, in the third round with a, uh, Flying knee. He seems to um, only beat Chinese fighters. Still scored um, seventy-one points in the UFC. Yeah, scored seventy-one points because it was late. But at least he showed a finish. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the slight upset, the slight odds value. But I really don't see a ton of value in this fight. It's just that Martinez seems to fit better in lineups at his price point, point. Um, and I sure as hell would not pay up for for Andre Yule. All right, moving on. We have Domingo Pilarte, 8,200, taking on Journey Newsom at 8,000. Pilarte minus 120. Comeback on Newsom plus 110. Fight does fight goes to decision is minus 160. Pilarte going to be huge in this fight. I think he has a grappling advantage. He's like seven inches taller. I like Pilarte a bunch in this one. Joe, how about you? Yeah, so, you know, Pilarte, in the words of, you know, Cody Safik, shit in the apple pie. Um, last fight against uh, Kolaris, who, you know, we've obviously seen Kolaris, um, you know, has got a chin on him and it's hard to put away, um, but he was a massive favorite, um, you know, in the last fight. He was, what, minus 365, I think he went off at, and was pretty high-priced on DK2 and reasonably highly owned, um, and, you know, he lost the split decision to Kolaris. Um, I, I guess I'll go back to the well just because, of you know his grappling and wrestling advantage, Newsom is tough, um, but and and you know his his he can probably out physical, out be out you know out physical Polarte's early, but I guess I I do think that he has a you know Polarte's has a distinct advantage on the ground, um, you know he does have a height and length advantage. I'm going to go back to the well with him one more time. I don't again, this is not a fight I love to target. Um, but I guess I'll take, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Pilardi one more time. Chris. Yeah. Um, well, we know that Pilardi is really tough. That's not a great thing to know about a fighter after we've seen him two times, because what it means is he gets hit an awful lot and Pilarte does. Um, he just, he, he very much has that Luke Rockhold defense where he's just a tall guy who tries to pull back. And then when he tries to pull back, he gets um, killed for it. The, the reason I'm picking him here and actually more convincingly than I would have thought uh, before looking at tape is that um, we just, we just saw Newsom struggle with a big, tall, rangy guy. And, and Pilarte even bigger than Ricardo Hamish uh, is not by a lot, but, but by a decent amount. 
And um, and uh, I, I think I see a lot of people picking Newsom here just because of how, um, like I said, how uh, Pilarte had to show off his chin in those two in those two fights, his contender series fight, and then his official debut. But those guys were significantly more rangy than a guy like Newsom, who's gonna have to try to close this distance. He's gonna be um, liable to eat knees. He's gonna be liable to eat uppercuts. When if they do get tied up, uh, Pilarte always looks for the back. He always looks to create scrambles. And I just think the length uh, and the size of uh, Pilarte is going to pay dividends there. So I think this is a really hard win for um, Newsom unless he really connects clean with uh, uh, with Pilarte's chin, which could happen. But he was just out of range so often in that uh, in that Hamos fight that I can't trust it. So yeah, my pick is. Uh, is uh, Pilarte, and I'll take it by submission. Miles Johns, 8,600, taking on Mario Batista, 7,600. Line of this fight, Johns is minus 127. Come back on Batista, plus 117, 110 in some books, 105. I think this line is going to flip. This is odds value I like. I like Batista in this one. I think Miles Johns, he kind of showed it. If he, if he can't get um, a takedown, he seems to be in trouble. I think Batista will be able to stay on his feet. Um, yeah, I like Batista for an upset in this one. And either way, the price is right at 7,600. This is odds value. I like, especially in cash games where the fight goes to decision prop is minus 225. So you should get three rounds of scoring from Batista regardless in a fight where he has odds value and, I, and I'm picking him to win straight up. So, um, you can argue his upside isn't there for GPPs and it'll be popular. I get that argument if you want to fade him, but, uh, Batista is my pick here. Chris. Yeah, I um I've liked Batista in the past, but uh, I'm I'm gonna stay away from it here. I think the main reason is that like what he when he's exchanging on the feet, he loves getting into those wild exchanges. We saw that a lot in the Jinsu San fight, and if Jinsu San had Miles Johns's power, um, uh, I think Batista would have been knocked out in that fight a couple of times. I just don't think he's gonna be able to afford to sit and trade in the pocket like he likes to do here. Um, he might be able to stay on his feet, but I, I think that um, look, I, I don't think Jin Susan completed that many takedowns, but he got him off his feet a couple times. What we saw is Batista using his base well and getting back to his feet, so he can do that again here. But I do, I think that um, I don't know. For me, it's it's just that Batista's. Gonna, I think he's going to take too many chances on the feet here. He's the better grappler. If I if I thought he was going to uh, doggedly pursue takedowns, I'd have a better time with it, but. Uh, Something just sees me uh, uh, with him in these exchanges and then eating the hammer and getting knocked out. So I- I'm taking uh, Miles Johns here. Joe. Yeah, so I'm on Batista here. Uh, I, I lo- you know, fight of the night against uh, against Son last time out. Um, MMA lab guy. Of course, Johns is a Fortis guy from Texas. So, you know, kind of going against the, <clears throat> you know, the Texas bias there and the Fortis bias. Um, at 7.1K against uh, Son, he landed 129 significant strikes, um, scored 95 DraftKing points at 7.1K. Uh, I'm not expecting him to repeat that here, um, I, although this is kind of a striker versus, you know, to Sean's, you know, someone who's going to look for, look maybe to grapple. Um, you know, two split decisions um, for Johns. I mean, he only scored against, you know, in his split decision win against uh, Smith. He only scored like 61 points. Um, I, you know, I, I like this fight. I think it's a decent, it could be a decent fight to target, but I'm definitely going to be, there's odds value in Bautista. Um, you know, I like, I like his, I like where he trains. I think that um, he's going to, he's the much more prolific striker. He's a volume striker. Um, I'm going to just go with the odds value and take Batista here. Moving on, we have Alex Morono at 9,100, taking on Chaos Williams at 7,100. Morono, big favorite in this fight, minus 330. Right now, comeback on Kalen Chaos Williams is plus 300. Fight doesn't go to decision, minus 125, which to me actually seems a little low because Kalen Williams is a wild man who's either going to knock you out get not, or get countered and knocked out. And when he gets tired, he shoots sloppy takedowns, and Morono's got a decent BJJ game. If you can't tell, I'm on Morono here. And Williams 
puncher's chance. That's really it. I don't think he's very good at all. And I think Morono's going to go under-owned in the price range he's in, quite honestly, because everyone's going to want to pay up to, you know, Jones and Shevchenko. And I think Morono could get a little lost. Uh, good GPP play for me. Joe. I like Morono here. I mean, the last time he was 9.1K was against Zach Otto, and he, he put up 114 uh, DK points. Um, Max Griffin, that was a gritty win against Max Griffin, put up 81 DK points at eight at eight K. And then against his third fight that he won was against Song. Um, you know, 79 points at 7.9 K. So he's been, you know, he's been at or exceeding 10 X. I think this is tough, a tough fight for Williams. I mean, you know, Morono is is tough. He's a veteran, um, trains at Fortis, uh, Texas guy. Uh, I just think everything's lining up here for him to win. And I really hope he will go under-owned, uh, to your point, Sean. I, I don't think he's going to be as low-owned as you might think, simply because you know he's taking on a, a, a newcomer to the UFC who's, who's, who's taking the fight on short notice. Yes, he's 9-1, and one, um, but I still think that you know Morono should be able to not only win but get the finish here. And you know he has a history of getting 10x on fights that he wins, so I will take Morono here. Chris. So I think I have a, a much more definitive uh, take than Joe. I, 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 Chaos Williams seems to me like someone who is still thinking about what he's doing in there uh, while he's in there. It just, it's, it's weird to me because when you watch him fight, he's obviously an athletic uh, guy, but you don't see any of that explosiveness in the cage because, it, it, I don't know, it just seems like, like I said, it seems like he's got to think about what he's doing. Like he throws, he throws these slow shots that like his opponent's, can just uh, evade pretty easily. I uh, actually did have seen him hit a nice trip takedown or two, but again, would he want to go to the ground uh, with Moreno? Moreno, I doubt it. I, I, I just don't think that um, – and Moreno can get hit some, but that I've seen nothing from Chaos Williams that, to, to, to tell me that he can um, compete with a guy this experienced uh, at this level. I, I just don't see it. I'm I mean, going with uh, – You look at the two guys and you're like, if you knew nothing about either fighter – and you just looked at them standing to eat next to each other. You know, Moreno has got like, like, like the dad bod, and you got this guy all bricked up. Oh yeah. Um, you know, w- Williams. You look at these two guys, and you're like, Moreno's got no shot. You know, yeah. Looking at these two guys physically, but then if you look at some of the of some of his wins, I'm looking at he fought a 17, a fighter who's currently 17 and 20. You yeah. know, and he got a win. I mean. You know, I don't know a lot about, like, this organization that he fought out of. Um, yeah, I've heard of, K- I've heard of KOTC and oh, Total Warrior. I'm not really sure about that one. But, um, you know, WXC, I don't know that one. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just think it's a tough it's a tough one for him, um, you know, to do this. Yeah, he's got a good record. He's 9-1. I don't know a lot about his camp either. Um, you know, his last win was against 35 year old, uh, Jeremy Holloway, um, you know, decent win, but still, you know, a decision. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, for, look, for sure. Morono has got, I don't like how flat footed he stands. I think he can, he can wing shot sometimes, but there's nothing I've seen from, um, chaos Williams. that tells me that like, if Morono throws one of those big winging hooks that, Chaos can respond with a with a with a precise counter shot or anything like that. I, I just haven't seen anything close to it. So to me, the big pick here is uh, is Morono, and I guess I'll prepare to be surprised because I just don't see it any other way. Yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised too. But I mean, Williams has got a puncher's chance. That's pretty much it. Andrea Lee, ninety two hundred. Lauren Murphy, seven thousand. Uh, line on this fight: KGB is minus three hundred five. Lauren Murphy is plus two seventy five. Fight goes to decision minus three sixty five. Andrea Lee, though, to me, still puts up decent volume, even though she goes to a decision. I also would argue this is. I, I don't care that she's she's won a couple of fights. I think this is. I think Lauren Murphy is her weakest opponent in the UFC to date. Joe, what do you think about that analysis? I like KGB Lee more than most. Yeah, look, I, I don't know that it's going to be a great fight for DraftKings because Murphy has got the veteran guile to stick around. You know, she's just very awkward. She's not super athletic. Um, I wouldn't read too much into her last fight against uh, Borello. Um, you know, again, 
I think this is a redemption fight for KGB. I mean, I, I honestly believe that if she beat JoJo Calderwood, that it would be Andrea Lee who was fighting Shevchenko today in, in the co Um, You know, she's very marketable, nice smile, um, borderline Texas. Um, I really do think this is a fight for Andrea KG Lee be Andrea KGB Lee to win. However, um, I don't know that I see value at her price point for DraftKings. I mean, it, it, I, if anything, maybe a contrarian play. I I have a feeling she's going to be one of the low one of the lowest owned fighters in the upper tier. In so GPP, what about cash? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. So she's probably, but I mean. I guess I'd rather pay up a couple hundred and get Val um, if I was looking for safety and cash because, look, who would you, what would you be more surprised of? Would you be more surprised if Lauren Murphy, um, you know, pulled off some tricky, you know, win against uh, KGB or, or Chukagian beats Val? <laughs> well, obviously, but the, but the, the few hundred dollars is a big difference, especially yeah. when I'm going to argue you can use Chukagian in cash later. Well, yeah. See, I, I I don't like Jukagian at all, but I, I I don't I don't even like her if you're playing twenty lineups to put her in one lineup. No, no, I didn't say GPP. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get there. But just to clarify, yeah. uh, Chris, how about you for this fight? Yeah, I um Vince posed an interesting question in chat that I put on the screen briefly. It's uh, uh, Andrea Lee does seem to be um a big favorite in all her fights. This time, I, I think it's really justified. And if you watch Lauren Murphy, like that, that was a great win for her. It, it, she's been around a long time. It's cool to see her get a finish. I mean, that was a fight where she could basically win it just by pressuring forward. And even if she fell short, um, which she did a lot and does a lot, um, she uh, Barella just didn't really have too much except for like uh, her own remedial boxing game, and uh, it just seemed like. Uh, the, the veteran uh, savvy of Lauren Murphy basically won her that fight. I don't think it's going to be the same with Lee here. Lee's got a bunch of a bunch more tools than than someone like Barella. She can use her takedown game. She's got a nice jab, which is going to be in play if um, Lauren Murphy just tries to uh, walk fo- uh, walk forward, pressuring as she does every fight. I I just think I think um, Andrea Lee takes this pretty easily. I don't see anything from. Lauren Murphy that tells me that like the the fight she won it and that's great but she was basically doing everything that we criticize her doing in all her other fights she was falling short she was constantly missing her range and and Andrea Lee is just going to make you pay for that she's too experienced a striker she's too good a striker so my pick is Andrea Lee I think it's pretty much a layup and um yeah I think I think she can do a lot of damage here all right, here we go. The fight uh, everyone's talking about right now. Trevin Giles, 8,500. Take it on the super short notice, the 16-hour short notice replacement of James Krause. Hope Antonio Arroyo is all, all right. From what, If you didn't see it on Twitter, he was found semi-unresponsive or unconscious. Not, not all the way conscious is what I read. Something along those lines. He was taken to the hospital. Um, I'm assuming really to his weight cut, I didn't get a chance to read a ton of this. You know, He weighed in fine, but, you know, rehydrating who knows i don't want to speculate because i did just read it this is the new fight we have i can't find odds on it anywhere yet so that's gonna be interesting uh trevin giles 8500 james kraus 8100 kraus is his fight is at 185 kraus fights at 170 typically he's also he's a coach so it's not like he's crazy out of shape he trained zalal who we talked about earlier who's going to kick off this card um chris i'm gonna kick it to you and then i'm gonna let you guys know i have to Run and take care of something real quick. I should be back by the time you guys finish your your spiel, and this could be all unnecessary, but just in case, um, I'll be right back. All right. Uh, just a, a question for Joe or you, if, if you know, just before you go. Um, getting a thing. Do we know where that fight is on the card yet, or no? No, uh, we, we don't have odds. I think it's just replacing it. Honestly. Yeah, I think it's going to stay in the same spot on the card, and, and they put they put up Kraus on DK at eight point one. Right. Yeah. No, I did see that. Okay. So. Um, my 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 pick for the fight is um, look. I think we have to give it up to James Kraus. I think he's gotten way better in recent fights. He's um, he's using his kickboxing and his length really well. I think recently, uh, whereas before, I, I think he he himself uh, was was more of a, of a grappler. Um, but I think that you know it's weird. We can't really glean that much from the Sergio Moraes win, or at least I can't because. It didn't look like Marais was all there in that fight, especially after the the first round. It just sort of seemed like he quit, um, but was still in the fight. I don't know 
if the leg kicks that Kraus was landing um, had an effect. But he did seem to give up. But regardless, I do think Kraus has improved, and that deserves to be mentioned. But I also think that he still gets hit way too much. He was still getting hit by that uh, Sergio Marais, who didn't appear to be all there in the second round. And Trevin Giles is really fast, and he's really powerful. And um, he's definitely not going to be the grappler again here. I've said in the ch- in the chat before that I think um, if if Trevin Giles does what he did in the, in his last fight against Gerald Mearshart and inexplicably goes back to these grappling exchanges and back and back and back, then I think James Krause wins. I, I hope that uh, you know somebody threw some cold water in his face after that fight and said, "What are you doing? Stand up!" I think if he stands up. He wins this fight. I think he, I think he's going to pick James Cross apart. I really do. Um, if it goes to the ground, it's Cross's fight. But otherwise, um, I like I, I like Trevin Giles before. Like if this was a full camp, I'd like Trevin Giles. So I certainly like it with you know less than twenty four hours notice and the whole thing. So yeah, my 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 pick is uh, is Trevin Giles with the caveat that he stays on his feet. Yeah, um, I, Trevin Giles has got two other jobs that are likely more important than this one. Um, he's a full-time police officer and a full-time dad. Um, he is prone to gassing late, um, beating, you know, getting beat by guys w- way m- less athletic than he is. Um, I'm going to go with the serious fighter, the full-time fighter here. I mean, um, I, I like James Krause. I mean, I like the Roy- I like the Royal, but I like Krause. Um, you know, he's coming off a seven-fight win streak. Um, like, uh, Sean alluded to, you have to believe that given that he's a, a coach that if he's not in top notch fight shape, he's at least in, in, in some, some form of shape, you know, that I, I believe yeah, So this fight is at middleweight. Um, he doesn't have to worry about cutting weight likely. I mean, I look, I'm going to take a shot with Kraus here. I think he's a sneaky play, um, at 8.1 K and yeah, Giles has got his back up against the wall. But I don't know that there's any downside here for Kraus. I think he's going to be really loose. Um, he's going to go out. He's going to do his type of fight. I mean, you know, people have been underestimating him for a couple of fights. Um, but I really do like him here. I, I am not a Giles guy um, until I hear that he's actually made a commitment to fighting. And look, I, I admire the heck out of his occupation of choice. Um, and, and, you know, being a dad is, is the best thing in the world. But it seems like when fighting comes in third – that you're not going to really last long in the UFC. Um, maybe he could fight part-time in a regional promotion. So give me the dog here. Give me James Krause. Well, assuming he's going to be the dog. Give me James Krause, and I think he's a sneaky play at 8.1K. So, Joe, um, this is all uh, very new. Uh, what do you think um, the ownership is going to be like? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, hmm, Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the ownership is going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I am not great. I, I'm not a big ownership guy. Like I don't, I'm not great at predicting ownership. I would guess that, you know, coming off of um, seven wins and being a fairly recognizable name in the UFC, um, I think Kraus will catch some ownership, but there's also going to be, we all know this, there's also going to be dead money on Arroyo. There always is, it's, you know, the later the fight the later in the week the fight gets canceled, the more dead money you see. Right? You need some odds there's, too. There's going to be some dead money on on Arroyo. Um, I, I guess Giles will probably be high. Well, I don't even know. It, we're, it's, we're, it, it's all depending on what the lines are. That's going to tell you everything. Yeah, I guess. Um, Did you give your pick before you? Uh, before no, you, I, I I haven't had enough time to look at this fight. So right. I, I I can't give one yet. My gut right now is is leaning Giles just because of the size, and you know he's fought as low as lightweight before, but I need to see how big the size advantage is because skill wise, I mean I, I kind of like Kraus here, but that that's the spot I'm in right now. I'm probably going to play this one with the odds. I'm going to see where the odds value takes me. Oh, by the way, I just want to give a shout out to. I just noticed in chat that. Um, MMAKO is in chat, and if you've never seen this guy's vids, he does these really cool high production value vids. There's like really great music in the background, and yeah, very creative. I like yeah, it. he uses the videos as a way to like you know put his picks out there. 
Um, really, really cool vids. And I, 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 I missed him in Boston. Um, you know, it's too bad, but, um, definitely going to hook up with this guy one day, maybe even do something with him because he's really got great production value in his vids. So just a small segue. Thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for jumping in chat. Just a little, just a little, uh, poll from the audience. We do have a Tyler Mead says he's expecting Kraus, uh, to be a big value by the time the fight starts. So, uh, okay. so yeah, it'll be interesting. Like Sean says, it, I do think it, it does hinge on, uh, on the line value. Once once we get that, we'll have a much better sense, I think. All right. Let's let's move on. Derek Lewis, nine thousand. The light heavyweight, the Lear Latifi, seventy two hundred. Um yeah, line in this fight, Lewis minus two fifteen, Latifi plus one ninety five. Fight doesn't go to decision, minus two sixty. I like Lewis. I don't think Latifi can stay conscious. I'm worried about the output. And at nine thousand, if Lewis doesn't do it in the first round, we've seen him score. Or garbage on DK plenty of times before, but I like him. I like this is a GPP fight. I do think Latifi is live because he he should be faster in this fight. But you know Lewis is always losing until he wins. And fighting in Texas, I also think we're just going to see a different Derek Lewis. That that's narrative based, but I think we're going to see a very mean black beast. Um, I like him. Another pay up option I like, but Latifi live dog for your GPP lineups. I don't know who went first or last last time. I heard Joe talking, so I'm going to start with Joe. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I went last. So, yeah, look, I, I, again, there is a lot of narrative here um, on Lewis. Um, I do think he's been – he's picked up his training a bit. He wants to put up, put in a good show in front of, you know, Houston. He's very big in the community. Um, you know, obviously that could be distracting in some, some instances. But um, I just think, honestly, this is a bad stylistic matchup for Latifi. I mean, the size difference is huge. I mean, don't tell me, don't tell me with a straight face that Latifi is 5'10". He's maybe 5'8", you know, going up against Lewis. So the issue for DraftKings is that if you don't get, Lewis is very low output. So if you don't get a finish from him relatively quickly, he's not going to score real well. And he is priced up. So I, you know, I've been kind of flip-flopping on whether this was a fight I wanted to target. Part of me thinks he could starch Latifi early. But then the other part of me says, if this goes in, if this goes deep, um, you're not going to get points out of Lewis, and he's not going to be that great of a DraftKings play. So I'm not honestly sure how much I'm, I, I'm picking him to win the fight, but I'm not sure yet how I'm going to play him on DK. Chris, yeah, okay. Um, so this was uh, one of my uh, picks on my betting preview as well. I've seen a lot of people saying stuff like, I mean, I think the main argument. Uh, Sean just went over that that Derek Lewis is just too big, and there's no way for him to get past the uh, the range and the, and the size. But the problem and, Latif- and Latifi can't stay conscious if he eats one shot. Well, okay, I I, uh, I mean I, I don't know. Have we seen him get deaded from one shot before? I don't know if we. I mean, we've seen him are... get deaded period at light heavyweight, and now he's fighting a heavyweight. Sure, but those were accumulations, right? Um, I don't I don't deny that um, Derek Lewis is the is obviously the more power, most powerful guy he's ever fought. But my point was just going to be, like, if we're just talking about range and height, well, we've already seen him do that once. In fact, OSP has got uh, a, a, um, an inch on Derek Lewis as far as reach goes. So we have, as a matter of fact, seen him n- negotiate that height and reach pretty well and uh, get a finish out of it. Now, they're not the same fighter. Obviously, Derek Lewis isn't as athletic. And so that's a point in um, in um, Latifi's favor, but I mean, I think I think everybody would agree that um, OSP is not as dangerous as Derek Lewis is, especially in specific moments where Derek Lewis can be very dangerous. So with that, there is something, but I don't know. I guess like this fight is sort of a referendum for me on uh, size versus speed. I'm going speed here. I, I'm, I'm going speed, and I'm also going. A variety of technique. All those guys that um, Lil Latifi lost to, when there were some bad losses, they were obviously more athletic, right? Obviously, because it's a, it's a it's a um, smaller weight class, but they also had a much uh, a much vaster array of skills and strikes and ways that they could do things. Derek Lewis, I mean, he doesn't even pressure all the time. Like sometimes he'll start out pressuring, then when he wants to take a break, he sort of just stands in the middle of the cage. So I, I don't think that Latifi. Um, is going to gas himself out quite as much here because he's not going to have a guy like Vulcan bearing down on him all fight. 
like the way his last fight played out. And I also think the single legs he was trying against Vulcan, they're gonna they're gonna pay dividends here. Now there's a question as to whether he can hold uh, Derek Lewis down because Derek Lewis can explode up a lot. But I mean, with Derek Lewis, you're talking about a guy who you know, I just went through a split decision with. Um, Blago Ivanov. Now, there's some question. I, I probably think he won all three rounds, but the fact is that Ivanov had a lot of success in that fight. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Also got a win over Francis Ngannou. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, he's got a big scalp there, and it, that's hilarious too. Because if somebody wasn't like, if they never saw that fight and they just went to like Tapology or something, they'd be like, "Oh my God, he beat uh, he beat Ngannou." But little do they know. But, um, yeah, so, look, I acknowledge the danger of um, Latifi getting slept here. But I also think that if it doesn't happen, Derek Lewis isn't even necessarily somebody who can capitalize on him getting tired. Partially because Derek Lewis will be tired himself. But also because Derek Lewis just doesn't really come after you like that. Again, he's dangerous in very specific segments. And in those segments, he's extremely dangerous. But when we're not in that phase of the fight, I don't know. I just think Latifi is gonna have is gonna have a lot to, to say about um, the pacing and how the fight goes down. So yeah, my pick is Latifi. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that one point I want to make. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What happened? Who's echoing that? Bad? You. you. All of us. Are we good? Hello, hello. We good? You're good. There Jared. you go. Okay. What'd you just? Yeah. So what? One point I wanted to make on on Lewis is. You know, uh, uh, you know, on Latifi, on his fight against Ivanov is, and and thanks Nan for pointing this out. Um, Lewis was really hitting Ivanov with power shots. Yeah, he Ivanov was. is a guy for people who don't know. I think got like stabbed in the heart. You know, in, in wherever he's from, Bul- Bulgaria or you know, he's Bulgaria. A tough, he's a tough guy, right? And Lewis was really hitting him hard. Not too many people can stand up to that power. Um, plus, it's Lewis's birthday, so I, I really do see Lewis getting the win here and hopefully getting a knockout. All right, move it on. The real, in my opinion, this is the people's main event. 100%. Mirsad Bektik, 8,300, taking on Dan Ige at 7,900. Bektik, minus 120, come back on Ige, plus 110. Fight goes to decision, minus 150. Both guys like to grapple. I just think Bektik is better on the field. I think he's got, even though... Um, Ige has got more knockouts and knockdowns. I think, but I think Bektik actually throws harder. Um, I think that they're going to end up. I think Bektik is more likely to get takedowns in this fight. Bless you. And I think he's. I think he's just a little better everywhere. Super close fight. I'm a big fan of Dan Ige. He's made me a ton of money. I just shade towards Mirsad Bektik here, um, but close fight, uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, super close fight. Uh, a tough one to call for me. I think I'm going. Ige very slightly here, just because um, I think I think he's the the more put together striker, and I think he's the more fluid striker. And I think when they exchange, as as look, Bektich loves to exchange. Um, he's he that loss against Darren Elkins was because he just had to exchange and and wouldn't grapple. Um, no, 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 no. Oh I'm yeah, sorry. no, I have that backwards. You're right. I do have that backwards. His his loss is because he beat the ever loving piss out of Darren yeah. Elkins for ten minutes. And got tired. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I think I'm misremembering that fight. But anyway, uh, regardless, I just think that Ige is the uh, is is the more fluid striker here. I think that um, uh, Bektich comes off to me a little tentative when he strikes. Like he throws his like little formulaic one twos and stuff. But I think what he really wants to do is grapple. And I think um, I think he's going to stand a little bit too long here. And um, those exchanges are, are going to go the way of uh, of Dan Ige, I think. I, but I do think that, like, in his last fight, Bektich against, um, uh, what's his name, the alpha male guy who's really quick? I always forget. Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett. Um, I think he was a little bit more, um, in his defense, I think he was a little bit more um, reticent to go for a takedown because of, of the strong wrestling base of Emmett. So I do think we could see a lot more of that here. And if that does happen, I think that um, that's his world and, and he's going to get a nice win. But I think as long as it stays on the feet, and I think it might stay there a little too long, I think that um, Ige is going to have a big advantage. So it'll, it's going to come down to how well Bektich can execute a game plan. And that's not something you really want to rely on when you're talking about a guy like Mursad Bektich. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Ige ever so slightly, but uh, it's going to be an interesting fight for sure. 
Yeah, I, I like PJ a lot more than slightly here. I mean, look at let's look at Bechtick's last five fights. I mean, he has not had an impressive performance against a good fighter. Um, you know, going back to 2016, Russell Doan was a layup. Uh, I even think Doan might have been a short notice replacement. Um, you could check me on that, but he's a guy that's no longer in the UFC. Loses to Darren Elkins after you know you know beating him up for a few rounds and then just gassing. Pepe, okay, wow, big deal, Pepe, right? Then he goes against Lamas. Lamas is a shell of his former self, and he he he. Oh, has it's still a good win. Come oh, on, come on, it's still a good win. the decision, and he scores fifty nine DraftKings points. Horrible, right? Then Emmett lights him up. Now Emmett's got a lot of power, but I, I the way I see it is he has not had a outstanding performance against a good fighter going back to two thousand sixteen. Ige, on the other hand, is rounding into form. Four wins. I believe he's the jujitsu coach for his gym. Um, you know, he's still relatively young. He's 28, I think. Um, I really think that everything's coming in, um, you know, coming back to, to Ige here. Um, I think, you know, he's the more technical striker. I think he's got better jujitsu. Uh, Bechtick probably has the wrestling advantage. Um, Ige definitely has... More fight IQ, better fight IQ here. Um, 7.9K, sign me up. Yeah, moving on, we have a heavyweight fight. God, you can't trust either of these guys, but load up in GPP. Juan Adams, 8,800. Justin Tapa, 7,400. Uh, line on this fight, Adams is minus 230. Tapa is plus 210. Fight doesn't go to decision, minus 300. Uh, Adams can grapple him. Tafa can go to sleep. Juan Adams could also just quit because, I mean, he's just, hopefully he's taking everything more seriously. He's living at Jackson Wink now. I think Adam gets it done, but I can't trust these guys in cash, and I'll have a ton of the fight in GPP. And that's how I'm playing it. Joe. Yeah, so when I first looked at this fight, I said, you know, lay up for Adams, right? Um, they're flying a guy about as far as you can fly someone you know, to take a fight. And and um, I don't know if they allow heavyweights to fly business. So I'm assuming he, he's flown from, from Australia, or I guess he was doing his camp in Thailand uh, to Houston in economy class, you know, to take on a Texas fighter, um, you know, uh, to your point, Sean, you know, who has spent, spent the last camp at Jackson Wank, um, you know, although Tiger Muay Thai, where, where, uh, you know, the other guy did his fight camp is not a bad camp either. It just seems to me like this was a layup fight for for Juan Adams. And then I, I made the mistake of of having some decks and doubts based on, you know, listening to Daniel Levy, you know, talk about um, Taffa doing his camp at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, I still think that this is fight that this fight is set up for Adams. They really like it. Um, they really want Adams to win. Um, so I think this is gonna be, I mean, this has got a very high inside the distance prop. Fight probably should be targeted. I would have some exposure to both sides, but I'm still gonna take um, I'm still gonna take Adams to get the win by knockout. Chris, uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know how you could ever come to the conclusion that one Adams is a layup in any fight. I I, I do understand the, his play. He's um he's a, a bigger, more experienced guy. He's a wrestler. He's he's sub nine thousand. So I get to play from a DraftKings perspective, but here's the reason I'm I'm picking Tafa, and um, may, maybe somewhat suicidally did so on my uh, my betting preview as well. But we'll see how it goes. Um, look, Juan Adams um, isn't that good. He beat his one win in the UFC comes against Chris De La Rocha. At the time, I I think I either picked De La Rocha or it came very close and said Juan Adams. Um, I was getting a lot of heat for just doing that, and then. They have like the sloppiest fight ever where um, De La Rocha wins the second round and they literally have to like stop and take breaks because both of them are, are so gassed out. Um, so it wasn't pretty. But my, my point in bringing that up is that um, uh, Juan Adams hasn't beat anybody good. Uh, he's beaten one guy in the UFC. And uh, I think that if Justin Taffa and Chris De La Rocha fought, Taffa would probably beat him. Although I can't say for sure. I think that's probably the case. Um, the reason I'm picking Tafa here is is Juan Adams is just um, we haven't even seen that much wrestling proficiency from him. The only takedowns he actually got were in the De La Rocha fight, and those were just like running uh, De La Rocha over. And um, 
and getting him down, which could happen here. And look, once he gets on top, he's a very big guy and he he gets his work done. But I'm not I'm not so convinced that like he's a good wrestler in the sense that like he's gonna actively go for a lot of good takedowns. Look, Greg Hardy, who who admittedly is a lot bigger than Justin Taffa, but was able to basically just just shuck him off with his with his base. So I mean, we're gonna have to see how that goes. And on the feet, where where one Adams like to spend a lot of a lot of time, he throws arm punches. I mean, he just does. He doesn't have a lot of power, and so Taffa's tendency to just bull rush in that got him knocked out by like a hammer from hell by Yaren De Castro is not going to be at play here. Uh, Juan Adams is not going to be able to make him pay like that. I think that he's going to be able to bring uh, a lot of a lot of pressure. I think he's going to hit very hard. He's going to be uh, the most varied striker that uh, that uh, Juan Adams ever ever fought. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that tells you the um, the level of competition we have here. And I just think that the line is is way way off. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm taking Tafa here, and uh, we'll see what we get. By the way, guys, I just I just saw in Slack, um, the FF yeah, Army that's Slack that's that. Uh, Kraus is minus 165 on five dimes. Open minus 150, and now he's minus 165. Yeah, I'm going to be editing some lineups. Yeah. Moving on, co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko, mm-hmm. 9,500. Caitlin Chukagian, 6,700. Line on this fight. Uh, Shevchenko, depends where you look. Five dimes, minus 855. If you were to go over to inner tops, minus 1,400. So, yeah, uh, Chukagian around my, plus 700 across the board. Fight goes to decision, minus 180. So I don't hate a punt Chukagian if she throws it air, and the fight metric guys score tons of significant strikes. Wouldn't stun me. Um, I expect decision here. Don't like this fight a lot for DraftKings, other than you could play Shevchenko in cash because she's super, sh- shoot, super safe for a win. Or you could play Chukagian in cash because it's a pure punt and get five wins elsewhere. Uh, don't stack. It's one or the other for me, honestly. So that's what I got for this fight. Uh, Shevchenko wins. Let's not overanalyze it. Uh, Chris. Yeah, I um, I actually think this would be a better fight for Chukagian if she didn't recently change up her style. She used to be very movement heavy and very like in and out. And and that was um, those are the phantom strikes that come into play that Sean is, is talking about. Over the last two fights, though, she's actually made it a point to sit down on her strikes more, and I actually think that's hurt. That's hurt her because she doesn't really have a lot of power, and she doesn't really have a lot of like crisp technique. So I really think that actually hurts her in a matchup like this. Um, I think that um, Joanna is basically going to pick her apart if she tries to stay in the pocket. If she gets on her bike, it's a little more interesting. But um, even then, like we still have to consider the wrestling advantage that uh, that Val is likely to have. I mean, if you remember back to her um, her fight with Cachuera, like the second she got hit, she went in for a takedown. So she might not. She might just not even choose to mess around. Um, uh, she probably could have. Um, in fact, definitely could have just um, taken apart Cachuera on the feet, but she didn't even go for it. She might just lean on her wrestling here as well. That'll be good for DraftKings. I don't know. I think that. Um, I think actually. The standing in the pocket uh, version of Chukagian makes it uh, a, mo- a more viable fight for DK if you're taking um, if you're taking Shevchenko because I think she's got a lot more opportunities to be hit hard um, and I think she will. So I don't mind taking Val as like um, sort of a, a pay up contrarian play. I, I I do agree that this fight likely goes to decision, but I do see avenues for Val to score some points. So. Uh, I to keep that in mind. Uh, Joe. Yeah, so guys, we saw this fight already. On July 23rd, 2016, <clears throat> in Chicago, Holly Holm, Shevchenko at 135. Um, you know, one thing, uh, I would say that Chukagian is a poor person's Holly Holm. Um, one thing that Chukagian is seemingly good at is avoiding taking damage. Um, if she can keep that up for five rounds, this could be an ugly, low-scoring fight, which Val wins, you know, quite easily by decision. By the way, in that fight against Holly Holm, Val put up 92 points. Um, you know, at 9.5K, 92 points is not bad for cash, but it's certainly not going to get it done in, in a GPP. Um, I do like Val. I mean, I think Val is going to have to do some chasing here. 
and maybe she can catch up with with Chukagian, you know, in the later rounds. I do think this is extremely an extremely safe fight. Um, I'm not convinced that there aren't a few other 125ers that um, you know couldn't beat Chukagian. So I don't even know if this is the best matchup at 125 for Val. Although it's it's it, the division doesn't have a whole lot of depth. Um, I'm gonna pick Val. I mean, I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't necessarily bet maybe bet Val by decision or if you're really feeling frisky, you know, try to try to do a round bet like pick Val to to get a finish in rounds three, four, or five, something along those lines. But you know, I would certainly not lay that kind of number. There's just better opportunities to deploy my cash on the card. But um, you know, give me Val here all day. Um, don't see it as being a great GPP fight. Safe in cash. Um, Val all day. Moving on. Sean, we we here. Sean's on mute. Oh, Sean, you're muted. No, or maybe he's frozen. I can't tell. Um. Sean, I'm, I'm um, having some connection issues, but hopefully everybody can hear me now. Yeah, you're good now. Yeah, we got you now. Ah, uh, you're a little bit. Uh, you guys got me. Hello. You're yeah. in and out a little bit. Yeah. Is it really windy out there? You're oh, trying you to kick me. You got to kick me. Yeah, maybe try to come back. Yeah, in. I, I'm. We're having. Okay, you want me to? You want me to uh, kick you out? Okay, he's he's got. He'll be back. Um. We are in the, we are just, um, you know, we're about to go into our main event. I want to tell everybody, please, if you like what you're seeing now, uh, like, comment, subscribe. It really helps us out with the algorithm and stuff. Here's Sean again. Sean. Really cool scrap on, on Invicta right now. Uh, Sean's still having some connection issues, it looks like. All right. You let's, good? Let's see, we good? Uh, it's, yeah, we're having you're coming in and out. Yeah, you're, you're still a little choppy. Yeah, I know. It's it's like twenty to forty miles an hour gusts, and yeah, it's no fun. Yeah, we're get we're up to like surprise my stream. Yeah. Wow. You seem to be okay now. Yeah, you're good now. All right, I'll I'll give my my quick on this fight, and then we'll get to it. John Jones, ninety four hundred. Dominic Reyes, sixty eight hundred. Line in this fight: Jones minus four fifty, Reyes plus four hundred. <laughs> Fight goes. Fight doesn't go to decision. Minus one. Minus one seventy-five. Going to steal from Joe here. My narrative in this fight. I think John Jones is going to be angry. I think. You think he's starting to hear people doubt him and not getting finishes. And it's it's a hunch because he typically wants to beat people at his own game. He didn't score well against Thiago Santos. He still did score well against Anthony Smith. Um, Reyes. Look, I just light heavyweight is shallow. Yes, he got a left hand. I think that's all he's got here. If if Jones decides to wrestle, it's a wrap quick, and I think he could still beat him striking. So I think Dominic Reyes will be overowned to what he should be. Um, not saying he's not live, but I'm going to get leverage by going underweight to him. Give me John Jones, like him more than Shevchenko. Probably my favorite pay up on the card. Uh, Chris, yeah, I'm picking John Jones. I want to give a little bit of a of a defense of um, Dominic Reyes before I get to it, just because I think the John Jones path is, is kind of um, straightforward. I, I think that um, there are other people who had this theory before the Tiago Santos fight and um, certainly isn't my brainchild, but I do think we have at least a little bit of evidence that John Jones isn't that great of a range kickboxer. Um, I think his strengths primarily are, of course, wrestling and the clinch. He excels in those two areas. But we saw with Tiago Santos, if you, if you watch that first round, and it's tough to gauge anything after it, because I think in the, at the end of that first round is when Tiago um, blew out his knee and his leg and all the other horrible things that happened to him. But if you watch that first round, it's basically just um, Jones waiting on Tiago and, and eating uh, leg kicks for, and not responding to his rushes for the better part of five minutes. Now, there's a big difference, of course, between Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes and that's the fear that Tiago Santos um, puts in every strike. We talked about Derek Lewis before. I think that um, 
uh, Tiago Santos is, is very much like that, uh, a light heavyweight version of that. And every time he throws his hands, uh, you know, you have to be worried that it's going to be the knockout shot. John won't have to have that much um, deference uh, to the power of a guy like Reyes. But I still think that, you know, we saw that he can execute a step back counter in the um, in the in the Chris Weidman fight. He does that very well. I think he's got a decent kicking game himself. I agree that um, if Jones tries to wrestle, I think he should, but maybe he won't. We, we, we've seen John Jones try to almost defiantly in the past, um, and that might have been going on with the Santos fight too, almost defiantly try to beat um, his opponents where they're strongest. Um, so if we see that again, that'll be interesting. Ultimately, I think what this comes down to is we've seen, uh, we've seen Dominic Reyes get tired, and we know that John Jones, as I said, is good in the clinch, uh, can be re- sort of relentless with his elbows, and, and work in close. And I just think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Reyes is, is looks good early. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good first round, round and a half. But I think over time, uh, John Jones just wears on him and, uh, and gets him here. And I think that th- there could be a lot of strikes thrown here, a lot of uh, takedowns uh, potentially, which I think makes it a good play on both sides. But I think the attrition is, go- is going to get to Dominic Reyes a little bit I, because I don't see him with the kind of stopping power. Uh, to take out a John Jones, so I'm taking Jones in what I think is going to be maybe a closer fight than most people think, but I'm still taking Jones. Yeah, um, let, let's let's you know give a rest to the regression narrative and let's replace it with the fiscal narrative. So John Jones, for those of you who don't know, makes a half a million dollars win, lose, or draw. Um, what that means is that $50,000 bonus for, for, for performance doesn't mean a whole lot to him. Look, 50 K is 50 K, but if you could fight three times a year and take very little damage while you wait for someone worthy to come into your division that could create the buzz around the super fight, why not? You know, like I think Jones has been fighting smart. Now, maybe it's not the best for DraftKings, but he's still put up some pretty decent numbers along the way. And again, you're making a half a million, win, lose, or draw. There's no win bonus that he's working for here. Now, yes, he gets some pay-per-view points, and I'm sure there's sponsor money that he gets. But bottom line is, you know, you could fight once a year, get $500,000, go all in, take damage, get hurt, um, get a $50,000 bonus, or fight three times and get a half a million each time. Plus, like I said, bide your time until you either decide to move up to heavyweight or someone worthy comes into your division that's going to create buzz around a super fight. So I don't think John Jones has regressed at all. I think he's just learned to fight smart, not take damage. Yes, it's not the most exciting fight style. Um, I, I do think maybe he's going to step it up a little here. Um, Reyes can get hurt. Look, we, we've seen him take shots. Um, I would have liked to seen Reyes fight, have one more fight, perhaps against someone like, and, and again, I'm stealing somebody's thunder here, but maybe uh, another fight against Anthony Smith, um, you know, maybe go up against Corey Anderson, um, Johnny Walker, you know, before he actually went up to fight Jones. But there's just so few opponents for Jones to legitimately have a fight against at 205 that, you know, they, they kind of pushed him up. I think it's going to be a pretty dominant win by Jones, either by decision or by finish. Um, I don't I don't see Reyes winning around here. Um, I think Jones is probably a better play in GPPs versus Shevchenko <coughs> in cash, <coughs> but he's probably going to be higher owned as well. So take that for what it's worth. Give me John Jones here. Um, move on. Hot takes time, guys. Everybody in chat, give us your hot takes for UFC 247. I'll, I'll, while everybody's thinking, I'll do the plug real quick. Go to rotowire.com slash free 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Like, comment, subscribe anywhere you are watching or listening. We'll highlight a couple um, chat hot takes. Chris, you got one queued up. and You, you should just say Justin Taffa. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I love these um I love these cards when I have when I have one because I don't have to think about it a whole lot. Uh, Justin Taffa knockout. It's probably going to come in the first round if it comes. So that's what we're saying. Yeah. So there, there will not be a UFC champion on the optimal lineup. Mm. Okay, I like it. Give me Zalal by finish. Ooh, nice. That that's that's hot. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's uh, 
Let's see in chat. I'm not able to highlight them, Chris. So let's I, see. just read them out and I'll click on. Yeah. Deronimo Reyes KO third round. Ryan Barton says Newson inside the distance. Okay. And I think that's all I really see here. Come on, Nan. Where's Come on, guys. Let's get a couple more. Where's your hot take, Nan? We're only once a month now, guys. So you're squandering opportunities here. TJ, no fight of the night bonus with three split decisions. I'm talking. I I I think you mean the main card. That's weird. Oh, it could be talking about somebody else. Oh, here we go, Vince. Ige is the highest scorer of the card. Wow. I I don't like that one. Somebody (laughs) agrees with somebody agrees with Chris. uh, Tapa by KO. Oh, nice, Thomas. I'm gonna, you know, I know that we've already we've already said it, but I'm gonna put it up again just because it deserves it. I appreciate the uh, the um, courage there, Thomas Tyner. All right, guys, that's that's what we got. Appreciate you guys in chat. We'll see you on Fight IQ back on the next pay-per-view card, 248. I gotta figure out what we're doing for 249. As I know, I know Joe's going. I am 99.9% going, so probably still be able to make Friday night work, but we will figure it out. Uh, good luck in your contests. We'll see you next time. Later, guys. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.